Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. As part of our new Wednesday We Forum feature series exploring can't-miss insights from the World Economic Forum and their key takeaways, in this HCI podcast episode, I explore the recent We Forum video, The Post-Pandemic Challenge. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be with you again today for this Wednesday We Forum feature episode. Today, I'll be exploring the World Economic Forum video, The Post-Pandemic Challenge. This is the scale of the challenge facing the world after COVID-19 pandemic. How can we meet it? I Look forward to exploring some of the insights shared in this video with you, and I'll catch you on the flip side of this first clip. So right now, there are various estimates that say between 200 and 500 million people could be plunged into extreme poverty um, as a result of the um, global um, health pandemic um, that we are living through. I find it curious that so many millions of people could be plunged into into extreme poverty because what that says is that our our metrics before was not adequate, right? The fact that people who converged from living on an existence of $1 a day to say $3 a day, um, that that is not adequate uh, in terms of resilience, right? And that people were already precarious and already made vulnerable uh, because of the global architecture and because of what we have counted and not counted uh, when it comes to progress. That is shocking. Hundreds of millions of people plunged into extreme poverty. And we're not talking about just your normal everyday poverty. We're talking extreme poverty, people who survive on a dollar a day. That's, that, that, that is so discouraging. And really, he highlights in this, this opening clip um, the problem that this illustrates. Uh, the pandemic has, has simply shown a light on a problem that had already existed, that we have so many people that were just getting by, just barely getting by. And as soon as you have something like a pandemic uh, hit the world economy and you have all of the negative outcomes, not just health, but mental health, uh, economic health, societal health issues, it plunges uh, people into extreme poverty. That means they're, they're struggling to even get enough food to eat. And in this day and age, do we feel like it's acceptable for us to live in a world where 
hundreds of millions of people are in extreme poverty. That is a huge number. And really, you know, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that. I don't feel comfortable living in my nice home with my children and every possible comfort that we could want. You know, we're not rich, but we're, we're doing just fine. And to think that there are people around the world that, that uh, have to figure out how to survive on a couple dollars a day is, is crazy to me. Um, so the pandemic has highlighted the problems in our systems. Uh, and he highlights the metrics. You know, even when we look at extreme poverty and we look at, you know, one to $3 a day, does that metric, uh, is that adequate? Uh, we, we've seen uh, improvement in recent decades that the number of people in extreme poverty has declined. But now all of a sudden we see hundreds of millions plunge back into extreme poverty. So that metric probably wasn't sufficient. We have to think of other metrics and we have to think about sustainable growth. And I should also say, why am I talking about this on this podcast? Um, the bottom line is I think it's important. Uh, I think it's, it's, these are the types of issues we all need to be thinking about. And I think that every organization needs to grapple with its role in the world and how it connects with and relates to these types of large broad societal challenges and problems. Now, is it, is it, you know, XYZ corporations problem that hundreds of millions of people are plunged into extreme poverty? No, not directly, but everything is interconnected. And collectively we, we need to say when something is not okay, then work towards uh, addressing it. So that hopefully in time we can eradicate extreme poverty. opportunity now is to be able to go back to the drawing board and revisit these metrics that we use um, to say that the world is on a sustainable path because clearly um, the fact that so many people um, were just had no kind of social safety net whatsoever to withstand the shock um, of the um, not just the, cri the crisis as it pertains to COVID, but also the fallout of the crisis, right? The economic crisis that followed. Um, and so what this means is that we need to go beyond um, what I call the zero um, mentality, right? This idea that the minimum threshold is good enough um, because ultimately that doesn't provide the kind of resilience that communities, particularly the most vulnerable and marginalized communities need. Um, in order to live a life of dignity and a life that, that, that is able to withstand um, these various shocks that we, that we um, are talking through. And I think we all want everyone to be able to live lives of dignity, uh, particularly marginalized populations, those populations of individuals that perhaps have struggled the most. And so when we talk about these hundreds of millions of people being plunged back into extreme poverty, uh, it's incredibly disheartening uh, because, you know, the, these are the most, the most vulnerable among us, uh, the most vulnerable populations often that uh, end up struggling in this way. And as he said, it, it just illustrates the complete lack, um, the complete, utter, and total lack of any sort of social safety nets. And I understand that people have uh, wide 
widely different political views and economic views about the role of the state uh, in in terms of providing social safety nets. Um, my point here is not to get into any sort of political debate about that, but I think everyone listening to this probably benefits from social safety nets uh, in ways that those who are the most vulnerable among us, uh, those who are plunged into extreme poverty, simply don't have. And so, you know, sometimes it's important for us to check our privilege and recognize that even though, you know, it, it doesn't quite make sense to us, that other people might be struggling in ways that we don't understand. And we need to think about, you know, how we can really better support them and, and help everyone to live true lives of dignity. Now, now, that doesn't mean that we hand them everything and that we don't expect people uh, to work for their own benefit. Um, that's a straw man, and that's, that's really not what the argument is all about. Um, but do we live in a world where we're okay with, with such a large percentage of the global population living in extreme poverty? And if we're not, what are we going to do about it? What can we as individuals do about it? What can our families do about it? How can we mobilize our communities, our neighborhoods? And what can our organizations do about it? In many podcast episodes uh, previously, I've talked about the role of social impact work within organizations and within HR systems and within organizational leadership. People want to live um, and work in, in places where they're making a real difference in the world. And when we see this kind of extreme pressing challenge uh, in the wake of the pandemic and the aftermath of the pandemic, this provides us with an opportunity to galvanize the collective energy of our people within our organizations so that we can start to make a difference. And in so doing, we, we benefit the company as well because we engage our people um, and all the other positive ways that a social impact strategy can benefit an organization. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. The way that we think about policy and talk about policymaking um, tends to compartmentalize issues, right? So we think about 
gender issues as being separate from climate, and we think about climate as being separate from health, and we think about health as being separate um, from the economy, right? And so I think the invitation that's embedded in this moment is really calling upon policymakers and activists to really think about what does a um, an, an integrated policy landscape look like, right? So how do we, because we, we know that people don't live single issue lives. People embody a multiplicity of experiences um, and the fact that we don't account for that in our discourse means that people will fall through the cracks, right? The fact that we've not made the connection between racial inequality and racial injustice and those that are um, most affected by COVID means that, that, that there is a gap there in the policymaking process, right? Taking an integrative approach to these types of very complex challenges is super, super important. I've talked about that before on the podcast as well. Uh, it's one of the frameworks that we use in my work with social impact at uh, my university. Uh, but we talk about pathways to social impact. And it's not enough to just look at single issues, but we have to see how the issues are integrated. And it's also not enough to just look at from one um, intervention uh, perspective. So public policy is one perspective, uh, enterprise is another perspective, philanthropy is another perspective, and so on and so forth. It, this only happens as we take an integrative approach. And the most um, complex, challenging issues that we face as a world, as, a, as societies, require these types of integrative approaches. We don't live compartmentalized lives where we're only worried about women's issues or LGBTQ plus issues or poverty issues or you name it. These are all interconnected. And unless we can start to tackle them uh, using interconnected frameworks, then we're really not going to drive any sort of sustainable and meaningful change um, that will positively impact these vulnerable populations. And ultimately, that's what we need to do. So again, why on this podcast are we talking about this? Why, um, why is it important for organizations to be part of the solution? If we recognize the complexity and we recognize the need for, for an integrative approach, that means it can't just be governments. It has to be um, the, the public and private sectors. It has to be individuals uh, and organizations from every part of society uh, playing their part. This is so vital and so important. There's no easy answers, so I can't like prescribe to you and, and give you uh, the quick uh, the list of things that your organization needs to do, but I can say it's important for you to think about developing your own social impact strategy and seeing how you can start to make a difference. So I think one of the ways that we were able to bridge the gap between social justice and international development is really to do that work of excavation. I think the second thing is that we cannot underestimate the importance of representation. Representation matters. And so when it comes to the decision-making process, uh, where, the, where the agenda of the planet is being shaped, we need to ensure that the, that the representatives in those rooms look like the communities. Um, that we are um, uh, advocating um, on behalf of. And I think the um, 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, it really offers us a guideline, uh, a roadmap to be able to ensure 
um, that all societies are able to rise equally. Um, and, and, and so this is why, you know, the, in, the indivisibility of these goals becomes so incredibly important. Representation matters. We need all populations, all communities represented at the table in making these types of decisions. And we need to excavate the landscape, as he alluded to, um, of these complex challenges and the assumptions that we have around them and the metrics that we've used in the past that seem to be inadequate as we try to think about sustainable development and how it connects and integrates uh, with these various social issues and challenges, and, and in this specific case, extreme poverty. Uh, as we do that excavation, uh, it can't just be certain populations represented. We need, we need all populations represented. And I know that sounds like a simple thing. Uh, and even, you know, in theory, it, we can all say, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We want broad representation. We want inclusive committees. We want inclusive uh, working groups uh, that can start to challenge these in a, and tackle these issues. Um, but in practice, it, it takes a lot more concerted effort than that, than just saying, yeah, we, we believe it's important. But we really have to be committed to this. And we need, need everyone uh, to truly be represented and have a seat at the table uh, so that their voices can be heard. Otherwise, we're going to miss things and we're going to perpetuate and expand gaps rather than close gaps. I am a big believer that we can all make a big difference when we really put our minds to it and we put our energy towards these, these challenging issues. And I don't think any of us should be comfortable with a world where we have hundreds of millions of people in extreme poverty living on one to three dollars a day while so many of us live such comfortable lives. We can and should do more and our corporations can be involved in that process and can do more. It's not just about making more money for ourselves, getting, uh, helping the rich get richer. It's about helping lift everybody out of poverty, everyone to have sustainable uh, lives of dignity where they can live meaningful lives. That's certainly what I want, and I hope that everything that I do in my work contributes to that in some way. Uh, and I invite you uh, to think about what you might be able to do and how you can get involved uh, and contribute as well. I hope you've enjoyed this video and some of the commentary associated with it. And as always, I hope you stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.